prospects, getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 2021. We're back after a week off to the Thanksgiving holiday. Weeks 12 and 13 of the college football season now in the books. And I think the college football landscape really starting to take shape in terms of the postseason. College football playoff committee really taking a look at Alabama, clear-cut number one. Number two, Notre Dame, after their performance against Clemson, beating them in, in, in double overtime. And then after that, you have, obviously, Clemson and Ohio State, really the, the third and fourth best teams in the country. I think if you look at the eye test, if nothing else, uh, Ohio State is battling COVID issues, and hopefully they'll be able to play out the remainder of their season. Because if not, then that run, they run the risk of potentially missing out on the Big Ten championship. And if that happens... They ultimately will be at the mercy of the playoff committee to really rely on the eye test versus a conference championship, which is a lot of times the prerequisite for teams getting in to the playoff. You have Texas A&M and Florida sitting there at number five and number six with Cincinnati sitting on the outside looking in at number seven. SEC and the American Athletic Conference sitting outside the top four. They've been able to play you know, from the beginning, from the get-go. And so that body of work has really been playing into their favor. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how everything plays out over the course of the next few weeks. Heisman Trophy, uh, I think that race is really tightening up. Mac Jones, uh, Kyle Trask, probably one and two in terms of that race. You can kind of go either way with that. I think what uh, Kyle Trask has been able to do, some of the numbers that he's been putting up, I think puts him a little bit ahead of, of Mac Jones, but it's really, like I said, the last few weeks of the season, uh, especially if you get Bama versus Trask head-to-head in the SEC championship, I think that could end up deciding who wins the Heisman Trophy. So when we take a look at weeks 12 and 13, that's really helping kind of shape our you know my top 10, and that's really what I want to try to take a look at is, is really how that has impacted my, my top 10 list and really the some of the rankings there. Uh, if you look at the quarterback position, obviously Trevor Lawrence is my number one guy. 6'6", 220-pound junior out of Clemson. Everybody knows who this guy is. In a lot of cases, uh, you know, a lot of people feel that he's the, the, the best quarterback prospect coming out since, since Andrew Luck. Um, when you look at Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think the one thing that has some, you know, a little bit of a concern is, is just that deep ball accuracy at times. I don't think he's a, a complete product. He's not a finished product by any means, but he is probably the closest thing to uh, a surefire number one overall pick and a guy that can step in right away and be that starter. I think the Jets, you know, probably look to move Sam Darnold, have Trevor Lawrence come in and be the starter right away. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, look, they, they announced on the broadcast against Pitt uh, that he had 50, you know, 58 touchdowns that he was responsible for versus 31 interceptions. I'm sorry, it's 31 incompletions in the red zone in his career. So um, when you look at that, 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 that efficiency in the red zone is something that really jumps off the charts. You know, this is a guy who has a tremendous arm strength to make any throw. Deep ball, you know, put the ball 50, 60, 70 yards down the field, make it look effortless. His ability to throw with velocity into tight windows, but then the touch, the anticipation, his ability to throw receivers open, drop the football into the bucket over their shoulder on, on the uh, the go routes, being able to put the ball outside to the outside on those outbreaking routes as well. Back shoulder throws, uh, the, the timing is impeccable there. And then the strength as a runner. I think that's one of the things that you definitely see uh, in the game against Pitt. Had single coverage to the outside, able to drop the ball in over uh, Cornell Powell's shoulder. Um, you know, on another play, uh, wide receiver up the seam, hit them for 32 yards. Um, 
you know, it's one of those things when you watch Trevor Lawrence, look, he was 26 to 37, uh, 403 yards, a couple of touchdowns there against Pitt. And this is a, a, a team, unlike Mac Jones, where I think you look at him and they've got an all-star offensive line, you know, five guys that are absolutely going to get drafted, and you see the level of play there, three guys that are going to be drafted in the 2021 draft. Uh, you have elite receivers, guys that will be playing at the next level. You have an elite running back as well. Um, I think with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, his line isn't quite there yet. He doesn't have the stable of receivers, you know, there just yet, although Cornell Powell really is a breakout receiver to pair with Amari Rodgers. And then the development of Tra uh, Travis Etienne. But, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence, I'm sorry, uh, you know, with what he's been able to do, especially coming back off of COVID, I think he's really picked up where he left off. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. You know, I, I think there's a no-brainer there. Justin Fields is my number two wide receiver, or I'm sorry, <laughs> number two quarterback, 6'3", 223 pounds, the, the junior out of Ohio State. Look, against Indiana, 18-30 uh, for 300 yards, two touchdowns with three picks. First three picks of the season. You know, this is a guy who's normally tremendously accurate, um, and really, you know, it was one of those things to where he, the first interception, didn't see the safety, um, was kind of staring down the receiver a little bit as well. Um, and, and Jamar uh, Johnson was able to step in and pick off the pass and, you know, just didn't see him on, on a post there for, for Garrett Wilson. Wilson ended up kind of getting inside the, the hash. And, you know, when he was trying to, to place that football, uh, Jamar Johnson able to go in and, and pick off the pass. Uh, also had a tip ball that, that defensive tackle Jerome Johnson was able to, to haul in. I think one of the things with Justin Fields, he tries to hold on to the ball a little, a little bit too long at times. This is a guy who's very athletic, wants to make plays with his feet, but he also has to know when it's time to, to get rid of the football, have that, you know, that internal clock and not always try to make plays with his legs, that's going to get himself into trouble. I think that's one of the things that Kyle, uh, Kyler Murray had to learn as a rookie. A lot of those holes that, that were there at the collegiate level, he said they were there in the NFL, but they closed up a lot quicker. So with Justin Fields, he's going to have to make sure that he's, he's handling his, his business within the pocket um, because I think when he does that, he is tremendously accurate. He is one of those guys who's able to stand in there, manipulate the pocket when he needs to, some of the subtle movements, uh, not just making throws on the run. He can be a quarterback within the pocket and be very efficient. Um, you know, that's just the biggest thing for me with Justin Fields, keeping him there. Uh, Zach Wilson's going to be my number three quarterback uh, at a BYU. I, I moved him ahead of Trey Lance. I think what Zach Wilson's able to do, the deep ball accuracy, the, the, his ability to just make plays, you know, the, the supreme confidence, um, you know, I, I think for me with him is, is something that just you want to you want to see what he can do at the next level. He's someone who I, I think is ready for the next level. You see the, the, the study, the preparation. He understands where to go with the football. Uh, Trey Lance, you know, the 6'3", 224-pound redshirt sophomore there out of North Dakota State. What I like about Trey Lance is that arm strength. You know, he has that cannon for an arm, but then he's also very athletic. You know, no interceptions in his uh, redshirt freshman season. Um, also ran for 1,100 yards. Tremendously athletic. You know, those were the. That's really the the next wave of those these quarterbacks. Guys that are going to be successful have to be able to create outside uh, outside the pocket. Be able to manipulate the pocket as well. But you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes. You look at Russell Wilson. You look at, at Lamar Jackson. Uh, you look at Josh Allen. What these guys have been able to do. You have to be mobile. I think these top four guys really able to 
do that. Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, I've got them a step down after that. Kellen Mond, uh, very inconsistent with his play, so that's why I've got him sitting outside the top six. I think with Kyle Trask, I've got him a little bit ahead of Mac Jones, and, and the reason why, a 6'5", 240-pounder, uh, what I, I think is so impressive for me with, with Kyle Trask is just his ability. He knows where to go with the football. I think the physical skills uh, for him it, you know, outweigh what Mac Jones has just a little bit. He does have some average arm strength, but the anticipation, his ability to throw his receivers open, and uh, you know he does throw the ball into double coverage at times, does try to sit there and, and trust his receivers a little bit too much. But you look at, at, at the you know, his, his ability to get his hips around on, on the move, you know, he, he is limited athletically, but he's still able to make plays from within the pocket. And the subtle movements uh, within the pocket as well, I think, really jump off the charts uh, for me, for Kyle Trask. You look at Mac Jones, 6'3", 214, the redshirt junior, second in the FBS in completion percentage. You know, this is the guy, he made his first start in the 2019 Iron Bowl. And in uh, the 2020 Iron Bowl, he's 18-26, uh, 302 yards, five touchdowns, incredibly efficient day. Uh, tremendous feel in the pocket. I think that's one of the things that really uh, jumps off the charts when you watch Mac Jones. And yes, he's playing with elite talent around him, but still, you have to be able to deliver the ball, deliver the strikes, be able to throw his receivers open. And he does a tremendous job being able to allow those dynamic receivers to make plays in space, catch the ball, and get up the field without slowing down. I think that's what really helps Devontae Smith is he is explosive, but you're able to catch that football in stride. And when he's able to catch that ball and get to full speed, Devontae Smith is definitely dangerous. We'll be talking about the receiver position here in just a moment. But, you know, the anticipation, throwing receivers open, but really, you know, before the receivers are out of the break, I think both of those guys are able to do that. I think Kyle Trask physically is a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more strength to him. Um, I think in terms of the athleticism, uh, you know, probably both a little bit limited, although I think Kyle Trask has a little bit more athleticism than Max Jones does. Uh, at this point, they're both tremendously accurate. I think Mac Jones probably throws a little bit better deep ball, um, but I still have Kyle Trask just a little bit ahead of, of Mac Jones at this point, but it's one of those throughout the, the pre-draft process. Though that's really the two guys that we'll kind of be taking a look at to see who's going to be that next quarterback after our, our top four. I think we really know who the top four are going to be, and it's really going to be just a matter of you know which team is going to move up for, for Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Um, because Justin Fields, I think it's almost a given. He's going to be the number two pick right now going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jaguars need to get a guy in there that can be a dynamic player, a face of the franchise. You know, uh, Minshew Mania has been great for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it hasn't really uh, generated wins. And I think getting Justin Fields in there, what he's been able to do there for the Buckeyes, uh, that makes the most sense to me. Uh, if we move on to the, to the running back position, and really before I do that, um, you know, Brock Purdy versus Zach, uh, uh, Sam Ellinger, Texas, Iowa State. Uh, this was really a game, kind of a showdown to find out who was ultimately going to be in the Big 12 championship. Brock Purdy and, and company end up winning. He, he completes 25 and 36 passes, 312 yards and a score. Uh, very accurate on, on the short passing game found his tight ends up the seam uh, really limited from a receiving or receiver standpoint I'd like to see Brock Purdy come back for one more year there at Iowa State look you know he's got Brees Hall who's a legit Heisman uh, candidate there at the running back position only a sophomore but love to see him come back Charlie Kolar's tight end also come back as well and uh, really see what the, the Cyclones can do there for uh, 
you know, Matt Campbell, you'll have Mike Rose uh, running the defense there at the linebacker position. I, I think the Cyclones will be in a nice position there. Uh, but look, Purdy, very efficient on the short passing game, intermediate throws, uh, you know, hit and miss, deep ball accuracy, he'll struggle at times. Um, so I, I think he still needs to continue to build some of that rapport with, uh, with his receiving core. Uh, Sam Ellinger, look, you know, he's a big dude. He's 6'1", 224 pounds, 17 to 24, 298 yards of a score on that game. Had 65 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, but, man, that deep ball accuracy, it's so hit and miss. You know, he hit Brennan Eagles on a post for 50 yards to open up the game. Um, but on a lot of other throws, just not enough touch on the deep balls, not enough air under it at times. And, uh, you know, he throw the ball to the outside when the receiver has inside leverage. And uh, he doesn't always step into his throws, or if he does, he'll step into the bucket and the balls will sail. So some of the mechanics can be off. I really see Sam Ellinger. I think he'll get drafted. I think teams are going to look at him as the next uh, Taysom Hill and really see what they can do uh, with their offense, getting him, bringing him in, running some packages. That makes the most sense to me. You see what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. You know, he's very physical as a runner. That makes the most sense to me if you're going to look to Sam Ellinger at some point. I think he'll be a day three guy. Um, you know, probably late day three, but uh, I think he'll be more of more of those package, you know, package guy, more of a, a gimmick guy than uh, than anything else. I just I don't see him being a full time quarterback at the next level. Uh, we transition to the running backs. Really, the, the conversation is who's going to be that number one running back? Is it Najee Harris or is it Travis Etienne? Najee Harris, 6'2", 230 pounds out of, out of Bama. Travis Etienne, 5'10", 210. And really with Etienne, he has that, that, that burst and that speed. Always saw that there as a freshman. And then from there, he started to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And now he has the power to complement that speed. He's able to run through contact. And that contact balance is what really is starting to make him a special, special back and be able to translate to the next level. Shows tremendous hands out in space. And again, when he gets into, into that open field, he's gonna run away from defenses. But here's where I think you know he's gonna struggle at times. It's that pass protection. And in that game uh, that I've watched against Pitt, he really struggled uh, in pass pro. There was one in particular, uh, Phil Campbell, a linebacker, came with a blitz off the edge, didn't square him up, wasn't able to really get much of a hand on him, just kind of more or less got in the way. And ultimately, Campbell got in on a sack with, with Patrick Jones II, the dynamic defensive end, uh, who, who was able to beat the tackle on that play. And, uh, you know, I think ETN, you know, that pass blocking ability, you know, especially when you're so close between these two running backs, I think the nod has to go to Najee Harris. And Harris, you look, look, against Auburn, 11 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Had a couple of receptions for 34 yards. Showing the hands, the soft hands on the outside. Catching the flat, able to, to ultimately break a tackle of, of the linebacker, Owen Papo, and get up the field down the sideline. This is a guy who I think, you know, he, he does a great job pressing the line of scrimmage, putting his foot in the ground, getting north and south, um, having the speed to go the distance on a 39-yard touchdown run. Um, the quick feet, jump cut ability, he has the power to run you over. You've seen time and time again with his ability to jump over defenders as well, but the pass protection. This is a guy who consistently is able to pick up blitzes, whether it's up the middle, uh, coming across a formation, coming off the edge. I think that's really where Najee Harris has 
ETN beat. I don't think it's even close. That's why I have Harris number one. Number three and number four, really it's kind of a coin flip there with the North Carolina running back. I think Javante Williams, what he's been able to do, the 5'10", 220-pound junior, very explosive running back, but you know he's kind of the thunder to Michael Carter's lightning. It's kind of a, a Reggie Bush, Lendale White type of a, of a combination. Now, you know, Michael Carter, he's only 5'8", 199 pounds, but even against Notre Dame, he had eight carries for 87 yards, had a reception for 23 yards, and you see that the contact balance. That's really the thing. He's breaking tackles, able to, to step out of out of another tackle and, and show a jump cut and get down the sideline. Uh, soft hands in the passing game. Uh, to me, I, I look at Michael Carter and and uh, he, he's one of those backs I think is going to translate to the next level and probably have a more uh, more productive career in in pros than at the collegiate level and I, I think a lot of that has to do with that versatility like I said with, with Javante Williams he's another guy who's shown the ability to catch the football out of the backfield and, uh, and get down uh, and make some plays runs people over has the speed not quite the speed on the level of, of Michael Carter but look you know uh, through nine games 896 yards on the ground at 6.8 yards per carry finds the end zone uh, with 15 touchdowns 20 catches already on the year as well uh, for 257 yards and three scores he's only a junior could come back but 45 receptions in his career over 2,000 yards on the ground 6.0 yards per carry 25 touchdowns on the ground and you look at a guy like like Michael Carter he's a smaller guy but he's a speed back He's a guy that you really are going to lean on a little bit at times uh, in the passing game as well. Uh, look, uh, you're over 3,000 yards with a thousand yard uh, uh, hit the thousand yard mark in 2019. I think he'll do that again this year. So far for this season, seven yards per carry, just four touchdowns with 22 receptions. Look, 79 catches in his four years there at Chapel Hill. Uh, to me, I look at Michael Carter. I think the, the, the versatility for him, ultimately, he's probably going to end up being that number three running back, in my opinion. Chuba Hubbard battling injuries. He's my number five running back right now. Uh, a guy who's really struggled behind that line at times to really get going. Um, I think if you, if you get him blocks, you know, he's able to hit the hole, get downhill, um, can run through some arm tackles. Uh, but you know, he hasn't been you know a, a huge weapon in the passing game so I think that's kind of a question mark at times and you really worry can he create on his own you, know, I, I, you don't always see that it's if you give him those big holes he's able to go ahead and run through those that's why 328 yards on the ground uh, over 2,000 yards 21 touchdowns 6.4 yards per carry this season so far just 625 yards on the ground 4.7 yards per carry played in just seven games uh, due to an ankle injury. So he's been battling that. Not sure if he'll be in the game against TCU this Saturday. Um, but Chuba Hubbard, you know, that's really the big concern I have is, is, is this guy going to be, uh, you know, can he create on his own on the outside? Kenneth Gainwell not playing this year, but, you know, the tremendous versatility there, the, the redshirt sophomore out of Memphis. JV and Hawkins, another little guy. He's 5'9", 195, redshirt sophomore for Louisville. But, uh, you know, he's a speed guy, has tremendous balance, good hands out of the backfield, very versatile. I think those versatile backs are the guys that you're going to see come off the board early. Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. Look, you know, yes, he did test positive for, for marijuana before the, the Peach Bowl, got him suspended for a few games, but that whole offense has changed. That whole dynamic has changed because 
Ramondre Stevenson is now there in the game. He has tremendous footwork for a guy his size, runs people over, runs with speed as well, catch the football out of the backfield. He's one of those sneaky, uh, sneaky running backs there in the group. Uh, I think Jarrett Patterson had a Buffalo look. He had eight touchdowns which tied the the FBS record over 400 yards 407 yards on the ground I believe uh, which was second to only Samaj P. Ryan's 427 yards uh, which is the the FBS record uh, going off the top of my head it might be 409 and 427 but in, in any event you know Jarrett Patterson for me I think what really makes him special is the jump cut ability I think that's the thing making guys miss um, not much of a factor in, in Buffalo's passing attack um, but definitely a guy to keep an eye out for, for sure. The guy that's on the rise for me, though, is Jamar Jefferson out of o Oregon State. 5'10", 206, the junior. Uh, struggled against Oregon in the past, but not in the uh, the, the game this past, this past weekend. Research Stadium, Corvallis, Oregon. The fog rolling in. That stadium's known to have those foggy games. And man, he lit it up. First play from scrimmage, kind of gets lost in in the in the shuffle there a little bit to the outside, pops free, and then shows the speed to split the defenders uh, in, in the secondary, go the distance for uh, an 82-yard touchdown on that very first play. Um, you know, does a really good job pressing the line of scrimmage, the jump cuts to get to the outside, puts his foot in the ground, very decisive, has excellent hands as well. In that game, 29 carries, 226 yards, and two touchdowns. Jamar Jefferson, to me, I think the biggest question was, did he have that breakaway speed? He answered that question emphatically in this game, especially with that 82-yard reception, or 82-yard carry to begin the game. Ran away from the entire Oregon secondary, and there are some guys that really run well in that secondary. He just ran away from them. Uh, Jamar Jefferson, really a name to be on the lookout for. Only a junior, could come back, um, but I think he has to be in day two consideration now. Really has helped himself out. One other name to really, uh, two names to get, keep an eye out for. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson out of Texas, Texas Tech. He's six foot two ten, only a redshirt sophomore uh, against Oklahoma State. 13 carries, 133 yards, two touchdowns. This is a guy with a vision to see the cutback lane. Runs with power, has speed to get out to the next level. Doesn't have that breakaway uh, burner speed, but definitely uh, has that physicality. Another decisive runner. And then Jared Stokes, or I'm sorry, Jared Dokes. He's six foot, 230 pounds, Cincinnati. Uh, played against UCF, had 28 carries, 97 yards. You know, what you saw there was the forward lean. I think that's one of the things, dropping his pad level and running over guys, uh, putting his foot in the ground, cutting up and, and getting to daylight, and then uh, the angle routes. You know, he had three catches for 36 yards on that game, and, and you know, angle route after angle route. You know, he definitely is a guy that could be a weapon in, in the passing game as well. He's going to be one of those physical running backs that I think will end up getting drafted sometime on you know, day three, probably a fifth, sixth round pick, but, but a guy who I think has limited wear um, in terms of uh, his action out on the field, but you know he has seen. Uh, you know this really is his second year, full year of, of action. Um, you know as a freshman, only saw nine games, um, and, but really when you look at it through his three seasons to this point, 324 yards on the ground, 36 receptions in his career as well. He's a guy to to be on the lookout there on day three. When you look at the receivers, obviously you know Jamar Chase, 
uh, is the big playmaker there on the outside. He's our number one. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I think right now, just the explosiveness. You see what uh, what's missing there with Alabama. You know, John Mechie and, and uh, Slade Bolden not really able to replicate the, the speed demon on the outside that is Jalen Waddle. Um, I think he's more explosive than Henry Ruggs, if you can believe that. But uh, Devontae Smith, uh, in you know, still in action against Auburn, seven catches, 171 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I think what really jumped out to me, though, was his blocking ability. You know, the block on the boundary to, to spring uh, the tight end, uh, Khalil Billingsley for a big gain. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's the route running. You know, I had this, this nice post and go, uh, stepped inside versus double coverage, ultimately able to go the distance on a 66-yard touchdown. Um, and then running the slants, able to, to get a quick inside release against the corner, make the catch. And the, here's the thing, when he runs those slants, you know, he's not slowing down. He's catching the football in stride, hands catcher out in front of him, and he's up to full speed by the time he catches the football. So he's able to get down the football field, make some plays in space, set up the defenders, and get to the outside and uh, go the distance. That was a 58-yard touchdown on, on uh, a slant there against the Tigers. Definitely dynamic. Um, on the outside, in space, um, he's a lot more dynamic with the, the speed than I think people give him credit for. Because you see the route running ability, you think he's a possession receiver. He's not as fast as uh, as Jalen Waddle or, or Henry Ruggs, and he might not be as sudden as Jerry Judy. But man, this guy does everything right. Uh, I think after that, you've got Terrace Marshall from LSU. He's opted out for the remainder of the season, as has Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Uh, those two guys, uh, you know, bigger receivers, bigger physical guys that have speed, can get down the field, uh, can be a potential number one for, for a team. Uh, Rondell Moore um, out of Purdue. Look, this guy's a diminutive one, 5'9", 180 pounds, uh, but a guy who lifts with the offensive line, big ball of muscle. This is a dude who could be a tremendous slot receiver uh, and a guy that's just going to exploit defenses with his suddenness and then his ability to get over the top. And then he just he runs through tackles, runs through guys. Um, you know, Chris Olave, look, you know, 6'1", 185 pounds out of Ohio State. Able to see him against Indiana. Eight catches, 101 yards in that game. And this is a guy, look, he, he extends, he attacks the ball in the air. He's so smooth with the route running ability. Uh, runs a slant route, cuts inside the, the corner in soft coverage, able to, to make the catch. Uh, never had to break stride, gets up the field for, for an 18-yard game. Does a tremendous job working underneath. You see him sustaining blocks on the, on the edge to spring master Teague for a touchdown. Uh, the body control in the air, able to, to adjust to the football. Uh, I think Chris Olave has a chance to be a first-rounder. Look, Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State, he's 6'1", 185 pounds. And uh, with Tylen Wallace, uh, the, the, the physicality with which he plays, that's one of the things that definitely jumps off, uh, off the film. Against uh, Texas Tech, uh, late separation is one of his go-tos, one of his hallmarks. And really what he's looking at is, even when that corner is right there and is in phase, he's able to uh, make a kind of a subtle, uses that arm, doesn't really extend and push off, but kind of gives him a little bit of a, of a cushion. This is a veteran NFL move, and is able to then kind of jump back at an angle and elevate and make that catch, that late separation there at the catch point, ultimately uh, is something that is really that trademark of his. He's a guy, look, he's a former Bolitnikoff Award finalist, uh, 14 100 uh, yard game there against uh, Texas Tech uh, this past week. That's uh, the most actually in all of FBS, I believe, uh, for the returners. Um, Tyler Wallace right there. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, 
out of SC. Uh, you know, SC didn't get to play due to some COVID uh, issues within the program, but against Utah, five catches, 53 yards. He's 6'1", 195. Very physical after the catch. He's sudden with the ball in his hands. Um, and a guy who's just a savvy route runner, knows where the, the, the soft spots are in the zone, very intelligent uh, receiver, you know, speaks four, four or five languages, uh, just really an intelligent player and a guy that I think is going to continue to see his draft stock rise. But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a guy who I need to really need to put into my top 10. I don't care what anybody says. I really love the guy, and that's Ty Freifogel. I talked about him in the last podcast. What has he done? He's just gone out and balled out each and every game. Against Michigan, seven catches for 142 yards and a touchdown. Back-to-back 200-yard games against the Spartans, 11 catches, 200 yards with two touchdowns. And then against Ohio State, seven catches, 216 for and two touchdowns. Indiana nearly came back to beat Ohio State, losing uh, 42-35. And a big reason why they were in the game was Ty Freifogel. This dude, you know, the possession receiver, a guy who does a really good job, um, had a 56-yard touchdown up the sideline, back shoulder throw at the 36-yard line, was able to adjust to the football in the air, shrug off the corner, and able to get down the field for a touchdown. Uh, Crossing routes, you know, able to catch the football, get vertical, uh, catch the football over the top, um, you know, elevating, you know, and and I think this is a guy who does a tremendous job with that route running, beating the, the press man off the, off the ball and uh, just attacks the football with his hands. He's a hands catcher, natural hands catcher, attacks the football, just plucks it out of the air. He's going to come back to the football. He's not going to wait for the football to get to him. He's going to attack it. He's not a burner per se, but a, a guy who I think is going to be a possession receiver. Favorite target. Everyone's talking about Wap Fillior, and I think Wap Fillior is going to be a... Uh, a nice slot option for a team, 5'11", 180 pounds um, against Ohio State, six catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. But Ty Freifogel is absolutely going to be a favorite target um, of, a, of a quarterback, definitely become Michael Penix Jr.'s favorite target, and it can definitely be a weapon. I mentioned Watt Fillior as a, as a, a slot option. I think Amari Rogers is, is really uh, solidifying himself as one of those guys who has a chance to be a, a, a second-day pick. He's 5'10", 210. Um, and, and against Pitt, 10 receptions for 93 yards. Uh, you know, you just see so you know, the physicality after he run, you know, after the catch. Again, he's only 5'10", but 210 pounds. Catch on a screen, ran through three arm, uh, three tackles. Everyone tried to tackle him high, and he runs through a lot of those tackles. You know, uh, does a really good job taking the short gains into long, re- uh, long receptions. Um, strong, powerful, very sudden off the ball. I think he's quicker than he is fast. Uh, but definitely a guy that I think is going to find a home at the next level. And then Ben Skoranek, uh, since he's transferred to Notre Dame, started off with a hamstring injury there for the Irish, but against UNC, uh, had a couple of scores. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that's going to extend his arms for the football, come back to the ball, uh, makes a nice, uh, you know, a, a nice target for the quarterback, adjusts well to the football in the air, strong hands. Ran a 13-yard touchdown on a jet sweep, able to get to the outside and, and score. Um, a guy, look, he's a big target. Woody, you know, he's going to be that big receiver, big possession receiver, and be a, a weapon in the red zone as well. Um, you know, we go to the tight end position. I think Kyle Pitts has to be the number one guy. 6'6", 240 pounds. Uh, first game back after the wicked collision with uh, with Lewis Seen uh, of Georgia. Um, 
concussion protocol. He was out for a couple of games back against Kentucky, and I'm sure Kentucky did not want to see him. Five catches, 99 yards, three touchdowns. Two of his touchdowns were, were there uh, in, in goal line play. Had this awesome return route, a seven-yard touchdown. Uh, really sold the inside route, then plants and gets back to the outside and uh, makes that catch, ends up getting into the end zone for a score. But really, the first play goes up the seam, able to kind of fake to the outside and, and got the, the, the corner, uh, I believe it was Kelvin Joseph, to widen. And then that ultimately allowed him to take it right up the seam, catch, run, 58-yard touchdown. Welcome back, Kyle Pitts. This is a guy, look, you know, he, he's not a not the tight end in the traditional sense, and I don't think he's Evan Ingram either. This is a guy who's, you know, you really haven't seen a guy like him at the next level. Evan Ingram, you know, a smaller guy, uh, but tremendous speed. Kyle Pitts is 6'6", 240 pounds, and shows tremendous uh, catch radius. He, he wants to be a good blocker. He wants to be a willing blocker, but you can line him up anywhere. Uh, he's faster than the linebackers. He's too big for corners and safeties. He's going to be a mismatch, you know, wherever you put him on the field. And I think he has a great chance to be a top 10 pick when it's all said and done. Uh, other guys, uh, Pat Fryermuth. He, he's done for the year, has to have surgery, 6'5", 256. They call him Baby Gronk. Um, I think he definitely reminds you of Gronk with the way that he runs after the catch. He's also physical as a blocker. Uh, Brevin Jordan of Miami, 6'3", 235. I love him as a receiver, can also block a little bit. Hunter Long of Boston College, also a junior. Uh, favorite target of Phil Dracovic. Again, decent blocker. Uh, you know, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin, Graham Mertz's go-to guy. Uh, Charlie Kohler. Uh, of Iowa State at James Mitchell of Virginia Tech, a couple of juniors. Charlie Kohler is the big 6'6 uh, receiver, looks like a basketball player. Then you have James Mitchell, who's more of a speed guy there for Virginia Tech, 6'3", 243. Uh, Kate Otten played against Utah. And uh, look, eight catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. He's the Huskies' leading receiver. This is a guy who has really soft hands uh, and had that the game-winning touchdown with 39 seconds to play. Comes across the formation, quarterback with throwback uh, to him, able to extend, make the catch, and get into the end zone. Like I said, 39 seconds to play. Huskies with the upset victory over Utah, 24-21. Uh, really, I call it an upset because it was a, a tremendous comeback of the Huskies. They were down big, 21-7, uh, and uh, they were able to roar back and ultimately win in the final second. I'll give you one guy to, to consider um, should he decide to come out. This is only a junior. It's Isaiah Likely of Coastal Carolina, 6'4", 245, um, against Appalachian State, had three catches for 115 yards and a score, uh, got vertical on the first play, catch over his shoulder, shrugged off a defensive back, 75-yard touchdown, um, battled an ankle injury, um, and so he was just returning to, to the game. Uh, you know, against App State, and you still saw the balance. You know, after after tackles, uh, and, and a guy who can be an explosive weapon, and, and really he was going at about 75, 80 percent, and you still saw him be explosive. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to turn heads uh, at the next level. Now, offensive tackles, we know Panay Sewell is going to be your number one offensive tackle on the board. I think there's no question about that. Um, you know, you see a guy who has tremendous. I think he has tremendous balance. I've seen some guys on Twitter that want to pull up reps where he, he's lost his balance. But, you know, guys are going to lose reps. Guys are going to, to struggle at times. He's still in position. He plays with power. He has tremendous, uh, uh, 
I, I think he has tremendous footwork as well. This is a guy who I think clearly is, is the best athlete of the group. Um, he's going to be the first off of the tackle taken. Uh, Samuel Cosme, I've been talking about. I wanted to see what Cosme can do. Can he solidify himself as the number two offensive tackle? But if he put on the game film against Iowa State, I think you definitely see him uh, you know, emerging as that number two guy. He's, he's only a junior, 6'7", 310 pounds. Uh, you know, there was a play where uh, run to the outside, able to get his hips around so quick off the play and seal off the defensive end and drive him inside, really able to establish that edge for the running back. And then uh, with a, a puller uh, out in front of Samuel Elling, uh, Sam Ellinger on an 18-yard touchdown, got down the field and hopefully had this block on the corner uh, to allow Ellinger to get into the end zone that last four yards. Uh, otherwise, he would have been stopped short. Sam, uh, Sam Cosby getting down the field to make those blocks. The hand placement is consistent. He keeps those inside. Uh, does a really good job as a knee bender, staying down. And uh, the kick slide, very athletic. Uh, moves very well side to side. Um, can be physical in the running game. That was one of the things that I was wondering. Is he more of a physical or a finesse guy? But he can be physical. Was able to show that there against the Cyclones. Uh, Christian Derisaw, uh, 6'5", 314. I, I think the junior there for the Hokies, he, he's, he's one of the more athletic tackles and a guy who I think is just going to continue. Um, I, I think he has a chance to be in the top 20, top 25 in this draft uh, as one of the more athletic tackles. I think those guys are kind of your clear-cut top three. After that, you've got Liam Eikenberg of Notre Dame, Kevin Jenkins of Oklahoma State, uh, Dylan Radins of, of North, North Dakota State, Jackson Carmen of Clemson, um, Alex Leatherwood, depending on where you want to play him, either tackle or guard. I think that's kind of your next batch of, of offensive tackles. Um, but for my money, I'm going with Liam Eikenberg. He's 6'6", 305. Um, I, he did it again against, against North Carolina. Just so consistent. This is the guy, he fires quickly out of his stance. The kick slide is there. Uh, you see a nice strike with his hands to kind of jolt that, that defensive end and really stunt that, uh, that rush. Uh, hand placement is consistently, shoots it inside, gets it right there on that chest plate, and he sits down, has the ability to, to mirror so that lateral quickness is absolutely there. You see him in the run game. He's not as physical as you'd like to see him be, and I don't think he's, he's tremendously accurate. I'm sorry, tremendously athletic. But this is a guy, he's just so consistent, he's, he's technically sound, and he, he's doing it at a high level. Um, so I, I have to put Eichenberg above everybody else. I think Tevin Jenkins is just a step below that, 6'6", 320 pounds. Um, you know, I, I think this is a guy, excellent handwork against uh, Isaiah Thomas in, in Bedlam against uh, Oklahoma. Um, athletic on a screen, was able to climb to the second level to uh, the, the, the nickel. Brendan Radley Hiles. He got injured in the second quarter. He's opted out for the remainder of the season. Uh, but I think Tevin Jenkins um, has an outside shot at, at the first round. I think you know Dylan Radins is going to be more of a, uh, a technician. Um, I think he's limited athletically, but definitely a guy who can be a left tackle at the next level. Um, probably you know he can kick inside the guard potentially. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Max Sharpie. Um, Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, 6'5", 305. And with Jackson Carmen, this is a guy, he, he uses um, kind of a wide base and, and his long arms, does a really good job, um, you know, against Pitt, keeping Patrick Jones, the defensive end in front of him. Um, you know, what happened though was 
even though that kick slide, he kind of overset at times, and a lot of his movement was to the outside, and he got beat inside. Patrick Jones, arm over, crossing his face, getting to the inside, beating him badly on one, on one play for a sack. And that's really what, what Carmen's going to struggle with is uh, those, those inside moves, the ability to, to change directions. That's what's going to hurt him. That's what worries me about him you know, playing that, that, that uh, blindside protector at the left tackle. I think he'll probably end up being a right tackle at the next level. I worry about some of that lateral quickness. Um, first time I got to see Landon Young uh, play there against Clemson, 6'7", 321. Uh, thought he had a real powerful punch at the point of attack. Uh, able to generate some movement in the running game. Uh, you know, a guy who I think can play with some leverage, show some decent bend, uh, engulfed uh, Mohamed uh, Diabate in, in, in the pass, in pass protection as well. Uh, you know, he's, I'm sorry, uh, I said they played play Clemson, it was actually against Florida. Uh, but yeah, Mohamed Diabate in pass protection. Um, you know, again, that, that lateral quickness showed some of that as well. Um, you know, against Brenton Cox, I think one of the things that, that really worried me was he was kind of moving backward against Cox. Instead of taking the, the, the appropriate angle and cutting him off, cutting off the edge, he started to backpedal and start moving towards the, towards the quarterback into the pocket, really kind of giving more of a shallow corner there. And, uh, and Brenton Cox, really all he did was he got into the body of, of Landon Young able to drive him back into the quarterback and ultimately had to flush uh, Terry Wilson out of the pocket and it didn't need to happen that way I, I think he was doing a decent job against Brenton Cox but you know I, I think he was worried about the speed so he ends up taking that step back he's a guy who I think has the you know starter potential but I, I, another guy that I worry about with some of that quickness um, if you look at the offensive guards I've moved Elijah Vera Tucker up uh, to be my number one guard 6'4", 315, uh, the junior out of SC, comes back. This guy, was, again, was the number one. He was USC's Offensive Lineman of the Year, and that was on an offensive line where he had the number 18 uh, pick in the 2020 draft, Austin Jackson playing next to him at left tackle. Kicks out from left, left guard to left tackle, and all he's done, he's just been so efficient. You, know, you see the, the, the knee bend, his ability to fire out of his stance quickly, is able to change directions laterally, you see him with power generating movement in the running game and, and so I, I think he's definitely helped himself you see the athleticism um, I think he's starting to get some first round buzz because of that versatility and his ability look he can end up you know being a starter at either position so I think that's ultimately going to continue to to keep Elijah Vera Tucker's name moving up draft boards and rightfully so uh, I mentioned Alex Leatherwood. He may actually be a tackle at the next level, 6'6", 310. I'm worried about some of his, his lateral quickness, but he's really shown, uh, shown off this year that he can't handle that. Uh, against Auburn, uh, did a really good job uh, sealing the edge on, on a swing pass to, to the receiver. Did a really good job beating the defensive end time and time again with his lateral quickness um, to the edge. Um, with that, that kick slide, getting his hands under the defensive end's pad level, I think was something that you definitely saw time and time again. I'm looking at my notes and I see that over and over again. Um, Leatherwood really starting to prove himself there um, as a guard um, or a tackle. Trey Smith um, out of Tennessee, he may be the next guy. He and Wyatt Davis, I think Wyatt Davis sometimes will play a little bit too high. Um, and with 
Trey Smith, the, the hand placement at times would get a little bit too high. Had level will creep up on him a little bit as well, but very light on his feet for a guy hit that big and a guy who could just be so physical and be devastating as a blocker. Uh, one other name that I wanted to mention, finally got a chance to watch uh, Noah Lothenberg this year. Uh, they're out of Air Force. You want to talk about a dude who is mean. I think just about every play I saw against uh, New Mexico, he would block down on his man and just drive him into the ground, generate a ton of movement, and then finish. Uh, he's a guy to me I think you have to be on notice and really keep an eye out for as well uh, as we get into the pre-rep process. You look at the center position, I think Rashawn Slater, he's 6'3", 314, may actually be a tackle. Uh, did a really good job against Chase Young. He opted out this year. Um, and I think that's really the question is, is where do people place him? Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Is he a center? I think either way, I, I think the emergence of Isaiah Wynn, you know, a guy who's kind of an undersized offensive tackle, lack of length, uh, is definitely going to help for Sean Slater's draft stock. I think Slater could end up moving into the, the top 20, top 25. Uh, Creed Humphrey, I think, is your next center after the after that. Uh, Jared Patterson, I had him slated as number three guy. He's out for the year uh, with, with an injury. Uh, so, I, you know, makes you wonder whether or not uh, Patterson's going to come back for one more season. Uh, Landon Dickerson, look, he's 6'5", 344. Um, did a really good job blocking down on an offensive tackle, drove him to the ground uh, on another play, climbs to the second level to Zagobi McLean, sealed him off to the inside, opened up a huge hole for Najee Harris, 39-yard touchdown. Uh, I think Landon Dickerson, as long as the medicals check out, he had two knee injuries when he was at Florida State before he transferred to Bama. Um, that's really going to be the big question. One other, you know, two other guys that I think I, you know, I watching Drake Jackson there out of uh, Kentucky 6'2 292 did a really good job with you know, using leverage to his advantage I think the biggest thing was the power of Tadaro Slate got driven back into the backfield a little bit um, but I think you know Drake Jackson has to be in play as a day three option as is Jimmy Morrissey really intelligent player there 6'3 305 against Clemson showed off the deep end uh, did a good job on a twist, picking up uh, Xavier Thomas. So you see the lateral agility. He was beaten time and time again with the speed to power by, by Tyler Davis. He was able to use a lot of uh, arm over moves uh, to disengage and, and get into the backfield. So I think that speed to power uh, really was hurting Jimmy Morris. He's athletic, but I think that power, again, is going to hurt him. Not so much uh, the case for Nick Ford. He's only a junior, but the Utah center, uh, 6'5", 315 against uh, Washington was a lead blocker for Ty Jordan. Got his hands inside the defensive tackle and drove him down the field. Tons of movement. This is a guy very athletic, very powerful, and uh, ultimately if he decides not to come out this year, he'll be a guy that we'll be talking about as one of the top centers in next year's draft. So I think you know we have to transition to the opposite side of the football and we look at the defensive end position. I think right now Gregory Rousseau, probably the number one pass rusher, um, but look, I think when you watch this game tape, he'll play with a high pad level at times. Yes, he has the arm strength, the wingspan, uh, I'm sorry, the, the arm length, I should say, and the wingspan, and, and the get-off is absolutely there, his relentlessness getting to the quarterback. This is a guy who, who spent his uh, his redshirt freshman season living in opposing backfields, and uh, you know I really would have loved to have seen what he could have done on a line with Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche. Imagine what the Hurricanes could have done there. Uh, but as a redshirt freshman, 54 tackles, 19 and a half going for loss, 15 and a half sacks, had a couple of forced fumbles on, on, the, uh, 
on the year as well. Ops out due to, to COVID and uh, opts to enter the draft. But I think he's a guy who's seen his past, you know, his, his, uh, his draft stock drop just a little bit because you haven't been able to really see him play. And when you think about him, you think about that pad level getting a little bit high. Flip side, you got a guy like Quiddy Pay, 6'4", 277. I mean, he's battled injuries in, in, in recent weeks, but Quiddy Pay is a guy who, you know, off the edge, very physical. He's 6'4", 272 pounds. Does a great job setting the edge against the run. Um, a guy who can shoot in the backfield. Look, he only has two sacks on the year. But don't let the stacks really, you know, the stats fool you. He's only played in four games, um, but he's he's tremendously physical. He has you know has a great burst, really quick get off. The hand usage I think is is phenomenal, and a guy who can really bend coming around the edge. Uh, Joseph Osai. You want to talk about a guy who has a tremendous motor, 6'4", 253 out of Texas. Um, you know, the junior, we've been talking about him as a potential linebacker, a guy that possibly would have to play in a 3-4. I think he's proven that he could be a guy with, a, with his hand in the ground um, as an edge rusher as well. Uh, really talking about him in the, in the defensive end category. Uh, against Iowa State, has just three tackles and a, and a half tackle for loss, but a guy, you know, I think you know, we've been talking about it time and time again. The production that's absolutely there. He lives in opposing backfield. The effort is tremendous. The hand usage, able to slap the the offensive tackle's hands away and then flatten out and get to the quarterback. Um, you see that time and time again. Extends that left arm into the right tackle and, and did a great job. Even that that outside arm free and then able to disengage, stack, shed to the running back on the outside drop him for no gain that's something that you see time and time and time again with joseph osai and, and that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his and i think you know if joseph osai does come out i think he's a first round pick i think he has to be he's really emerging and this you know is kind of a down year for edge rushers so i think he's a guy that absolutely helped himself look 28 tackles for loss uh, you know he's had a you know 13 and a half in each of the uh, last two seasons Ten and a half sacks. You know, this is a guy who just—he's disruptive, and, and that that nonstop motor is going to get him into opposing backfields. Even if he's not sacking the quarterback, he's going to definitely affect the play. I think after that, you got to talk about Patrick Jones, the second out of out of Pittsburgh, six-five, uh, two-sixty, had three tackles, a sack, and, and a couple of tackles for loss against Notre Dame. Uh, tremendous burst off the ball. He continues to work. Another guy with tremendous effort. I think that's the thing. You know, he has the athleticism to boot, but you have a guy who is, is physically gifted and also has that effort and wants to work hard. Uh, those are the guys that are going to be tremendously successful at the next level. Showed tremendous balance on a cut block to continue you know, and, and pursuing the football. Um, mentioned that, uh, you know, Jackson Carmen playing a little bit too high and uh, oversetting a little bit, took a couple of steps to the outside, ultimately crosses the face has a really nice swim move, ends up getting into uh, into the backfield, getting a sack on, on Trevor, uh, I'm sorry, on Ian Book as well. Um, talking about Clemson and, uh, and Notre Dame. But uh, it, it was against Clemson, it was against uh, against Jackson Carr and my notes, little little off here. But uh, I think after that, you got Carlos Boogie Basham, 6'5", 275. Um, you know, he bends a, you know, a lot better than, than I think people give him credit. I don't think he's quite as stiff as uh, A.J. Vanessa, but I think when you look at Rousseau, Pei, Osai, Jones, they're the, the more athletic guys coming off the edge. I think the guy, the sleeper to watch is Peyton Turner, 6'6", 270, coming out of Houston. Uh, this is a guy, he's, he's going to be invited to the Senior Bowl, so we'll be able to see him 
see what he's able to do against uh, top competition, uh, playing and play out. Guy who's been battling some knee injury, sat out the last two games. Uh, so not really sure what's going to happen there. But in just four games, nine and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, uh, 22 and a half total tackles for loss in his career, nine pass breakups as well. So he uses the length to his advantage to get into passing lanes. He's the guy during the pre-draft process, I can guarantee you teams are going to fall in love with him. And I think he'll start to rise up backwards that much more. Jalen Phillips out of Miami, you know how I feel about him. I love the physicality with which he plays. I love his ability, his hand usage, his ability to flatten out, get to the quarterback with speed coming off the edge. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, he's 6'6", 278. Again, reminds me of Aaron Smith that, uh, you know, there for the Steelers, a guy who has tremendous bend for a guy his size. Uh, you don't see that very often. Uh, Rashad Weaver, 6'5", 270. Had a great game there uh, against Notre Dame. I'm sorry, against... Uh, against Clemson. Um, not all that explosive um, you know, with the, the long arm and trying to phys- you know, be out physical the guy, but he has that burst coming off the edge and uh, able to get to the quarterback. A couple of sacks and a forced fumble there in the game. Again, 6'5", 270 pounds. Coming off of an injury, really had to have a, a, you know, a, a stellar season this year, and I think that's one of the things that uh, has people coming back to watch Pitt uh, game in and game out is you want to see the, the dynamic duo of, of Weaver and Jones and uh, you know Weaver look uh, 17 sacks in his career so far um, 30, 34 tackles for loss a guy that lives in opposing backfields he's the guy who has a shot to be a, you know, a, a day two pick as well um, and then how about Adi Ogundeje Adi Adetokounmpo Ogundeje 6'4 268 out of Notre Dame this is a dude, um, look, the burst, uh, shooting inside, beating in blocks, getting into the backfield, being disrupted both, both against the run and the pass. But there was a play that I think, you know, in the broadcast there against North Carolina that everyone was raving about. And uh, I was tremendously impressed as well. It was an outside stretch play, getting to the outside. He was able to get inside out, chase down Javante Williams for no game. Incredible play there. Uh, incredible athleticism on a run play. And uh, I think Ogun Deje has definitely helped himself from an athletic standpoint. And then Osa Odigazua, uh, 6'2", 270 pounds there uh, at UCLA. This is a guy who physicality in his hands. That's the thing that you see. He's able to drive guys back. And then he has a really nice slap and rip move. The speed to power is evident. He shoots gaps, get, gets into backfield. Uh, you know, split double teams when he needs to. He's a guy who's gonna. You know, he's a little undersized. He doesn't quite have the, the length that some of these guys have. I think that's what's gonna hurt some of his draft stock. But he has tremendous effort, that speed to power, plays with tremendous leverage, the hands. Um, I think that's the thing when you look at this draft class is there are a lot of guys who have tremendous hand usage, and that's what's gonna really help them in a lot of those battles at the next level. Uh, defensive tackle. This is a kind of a weird position to really evaluate this year. Uh, you know, you've got Jay Tufele out of USC, uh, Levi Muzurike of Washington. They both opted out, uh, especially after the Pac-12 play. I think those are two guys that probably right now are going to be second-round picks. Uh, Tyler Shelvin out of LSU also opted out. Uh, he'll probably be a day-two guy, possibly fall to day-three. Uh, more of a, a run stuff for a guy that's going to plug holes. Marvin Wilson out of Florida State, 6'5", 3'11". 
he's opted out at this point. You know, this is a guy who, again, you know, the production as a as a junior really happened in two games. And I think since then, you know, you see some of the traits there, but the production versus the potential just not matching up. And I think that's why a lot of his draft stocks fallen. Jalen Twyman, to me, he's another guy that's opted out. But the difference there, what I love about Jalen uh, Twyman, you know, there have been comparisons to uh, Aaron Donald, you know, just because the two of them you know, play at Pitt and, and Jalen Twyman was wearing his number. Um, we, we just need to stop the comparisons because nobody is, is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the game right now. Um, but what you did see, I thought I, you know, I thought there was some nice explosiveness. Some people, there's there's some debate for that. But you saw the explosiveness to the inside. When you're talking about three techniques. You, you think of a guy like, like Geno Atkins, you know, 6'2", 290 pounds there for Jalen Twyman. The, the quick get-off and then the physicality and the power for a guy you know who is 6'2", 290. I think the leverage is absolutely there as well. 12 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks with 41 tackles at the defensive tackle position as a sophomore in 2019. I think he's a guy who's going to be a steal. He may not be a first rounder. He'll be a day two guy. But remember, Geno Atkins was not a first rounder. He's been been a, a perennial pro bowler. Um, you know, been a, in a lot of those talks as one of the top defensive tackles in the game. I think Jordan Davis, 6'6", 320 pounder out of Georgia, the, the junior. He's the guy to keep an eye out for as well uh, as a space eater. I think Christian Barmore out of Alabama, you know, 6'5", 310, the redshirt sophomore. He's battled some injuries. And this is the guy, you know, they run those rotations there at Bama. So he's not somebody who is going to be in, down in, down out. But I think it's one of those things to where you see Alabama defensive linemen excel at the next level despite having some of those rotations not really getting a ton of action. And look, it's six games so far this year. He has battled some of those injuries. Three and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, three pass breakups as well. When he's in there, 58 is in the game. He's a difference maker. So he's splitting double teams. Uh, does a really good job working to the quarterback. Plays with tremendous leverage driving tackles back into the backfield. Uh, there's a really quick arm over. I think that's really does a good job. He attacks half a man, uh, does a really good job doing that. He'll stutter and then cross the face, attack half the man, and really shoot into the backfield using the, the, the speed to power. And then he has that short area burst to get to the quarterback as well. I think Christian Barmore is going to end up being the number one uh, defensive tackle in this draft class when it's all said and done. When you look at the defensive tackle position, I don't know that there's anyone that's emerged as a first round pick, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, Daryl Slayton out of Florida is a guy worth mentioning, 6'3", 340 against Kentucky. Um, you know, as I said, you know, drove Drake Jackson into the backfield off the ball time and time again. Showed some decent burst as well to shoot inside the blocks and uh, get into the, into the backfield and be disruptive. He's a guy to me, I've been a big fan of his. He's somebody to be on the watch out for. Um, outside linebacker, Micah Parsons, look, 6'3", 245, you know, converted defensive end, a guy who does the, a really good job getting after the passer, but a guy who I think can drop, he can be an off-ball linebacker. It's really gonna depend on the scheme uh, of, of the defense. I think Micah Parsons, he's probably not on the same level of, of Devin White, probably not a uh, you know the number five overall pick, but I can see him being you know, in that uh, you know seven to, to twelve range, um, a guy look eighteen tackles for loss, six and a half sacks in two seasons there for the the, the Nittany Lions, six forced fumbles, five pass breakups, 
109 tackles there in 2019 as well. A guy who has a nose for the football, tremendous range, tremendous athleticism, plays behind the line of scrimmage, but can also drop uh, into coverage a little bit as well. Uh, so I think, you know, Micah Parsons, absolutely a difference maker. He's going to be that number one guy. Uh, I've got Zayvon Collins as my number two. 6'4", 265, a junior. If you listen to my podcast, uh, you know that I've been been a, a huge fan of Zayvon Collins, number 23 there for the Tulsa Hur- uh, Golden Hurricane. I've been a fan of his since he was, you know, since last season. I've watched him play alongside Cooper Edmiston, the, the middle linebacker there. Had 97 tackles a season ago. Uh, but look, this year in six games for Tulsa, 49 tackles, six and a half going for loss, four sacks, four interceptions. Two of those returned for touchdown, including a 96-yarder to ultimately win in double overtime. Uh, you know, a couple of pass breakups, a couple of forced fumbles. This guy, you have to know where he is on the field. He can do it all. He can set the edge against the run. He can shoot into the backfield and make plays. Uh, he's a, he can rush the pass or can bend coming off the edge. And then he also shows the ability to drop into coverage. He's a three-down linebacker, a guy who I think is explosive, and he deserves first-round bugs. And I like to see, you know, I'm liking to see that people are starting to talk about him as a guy that should be a, a first-rounder. And uh, I'm really happy to see people starting to talk about him in that way. Um, Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, 6'3", 240. Uh, a guy who has tremendous bend coming off the edge as well. This is a, a redshirt sophomore, but a guy who has 24 uh, quarterback hurries. Uh, you know, I think that really jumps off off, off the page there. Uh, through eight games, eight and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. Again, a guy who, against Alex Leatherwood, uh, just dominated him at times. You know, showed tremendous ankle flexion, turned in the corner, that bend, uh, the flexibility there, um, and then able to flatten out and get to the quarterback. Very disruptive. Baron Browning, 6'3", 240, the Ohio State linebacker. I've got him slated at number four. The reason why is he is so versatile. He shoot off the edge, coming down the line, and chase the running back down from behind. Next play is going to shoot the A-gap uh, and blitz and pressure the quarterback. Uh, you had him on the outside. Uh, you know, covering uh, receivers, whether it was in the slot or a tight end on the outside. Uh, Wapfilior on a drag, coming across the field, able to make a huge hit, coming downhill as well. Um, I think when he and Pete Warner, I've got Warner slated as my number eight outside linebacker, they're, they're guys who can play against multiple positions. And, you know, he, they're three down linebackers. They're guys that will really fit in at the next level. Uh, Joe Tryon out of Washington, a guy who opted out. He's a, you know, a, a, a guy who's a real speed to, or speed to power guy coming off the edge. Chris Rump, 6'3", 226 out of Duke. Quincy Roche, 6'4", 235 out of Miami. A couple of uh, speed rushers coming off the edge. Quincy Roche is a guy who's, uh, who's done a lot there at Temple um, and really picked up where he left off there for the Hurricane, although he struggled mightily against Christian Derisaw, that athleticism there for the offensive uh, off tackle. He really needs to be an outside linebacker and play in space. Uh, Hamilcar Rashad out of Oregon State, 6'4", 236. Best player on that defense for Oregon State. I think Oregon really uh, exploited that. Double teams really got engulfed at times. You know, you wanted to see him come off. There were a couple of opportunities where he was able to come off the edge. You saw that natural bend. You see the traits that are there. This guy only has one tackle for loss so far. You really want to see him. You know, teams are going to key in on you if you're an athletic pass rusher. You've got to still be able to find ways to get to the quarterback. And I think he's been able to, he's struggled to be able to do that. Um, 
I want to get back to the defensive tackle position real quick, if I may, before we move to the inside linebackers. I wanted to talk about Marlon Tui Pelotu there for USC. 6'3", against Utah, a guy who, again, uh, so stout at the point of attack, um, but a guy who played with power, driving guys back into the backfield, and then that, that burst coming off the line so quick. And then, again, speed to power to drive guys back into the backfield. Uh, Tui Pelotu is a guy, he's only a junior. Uh, Jay Tufele not being in, in uh, on the roster, uh, opting out, it's really given him an opportunity to have a breakout season. Um, now, g- transitioning to that inside linebacker position, uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromo Loki 6'2", 216, uh, the rover back there for, for North uh, Notre Dame. What you love about this guy is he, he, he has a defined position there for Notre Dame, which Isaiah Simmons really did not play for Clemson. This is a guy who can bend coming off the edge and shoot into the backfield. He's a, definitely a three-down linebacker, a guy who has been spending time covering guys on the outside and in the slot, tremendously athletic. Uh, Nick Bolton is kind of your chase linebacker, six foot, 235, out uh, of Mizzou. Uh, another guy who's trem- he's, he's a lot of fun to watch, a guy who just, he makes plays. He's the leader of that defense, unquestioned leader, and, and a guy who I think is going to be an early, either a late first, one, first round, early second round, 103 tackles a season to go through seven games, 76 tackles, seven and a half going for loss, two sacks. He has 11 pass breakups in his career, so he can absolutely drop into coverage as well. He's my number two inside backer, Chas Surratt, 6'3", 230 out of uh, North Carolina. You watch him against Notre Dame. You know, don't just look at the stat sheet. This is a guy showing a lateral quickness, you know, really affecting a lot of plays, uh, you know, being right around the football. Uh, Dylan Moses, this guy, you know, he just hasn't really returned to that 2018 form. You know, battled the injury in 2019 out for the year with the ACL. 6'3", 235. You can see that he's absolutely the, the leader of that defense, making all the pre-snap reads. Um, but I, I thought a lot of his, his tackles were made down the field. No real lateral explosiveness either. Uh, he's a guy who I think the pre-draft process is really going to make or break things for him. Uh, Tony Fields uh, transferred from Texas Tech to West Virginia. Um, a guy who I think has definitely helped himself immensely this year. A guy who has a, a ton of tackles already, 6'1", 220 pounds. I'm sorry, he didn't transfer from Texas Tech. It was uh, Arizona. Um, but through eight games, 79 tackles, uh, three tackles for loss, and a sack. Um, and look, he has 366 tackles in his career. He had over 100 tackles um, on an Arizona team, and really people weren't seeing a whole lot of him because he was playing in the Pac-12 conference um, for a struggling Arizona team there under Kevin Sumlin. Now he's moved to West Virginia. Neil Brown has West Virginia playing well in the Big 12. People are starting to take notice of Cody Fields. I think Jabril Cox, uh, LSU, struggling there as a, as a team, you know, giving up a lot of points. You know, Jabril Cox, still a very versatile linebacker, a guy who you know, uh, has, a, has four pick sixes in his career. Uh, definitely a guy who can drop into coverage. I think Terrell Bernard out of Baylor is the guy that nobody's talking about that everyone should be. He's 6'1", 222 pounds. He's only a junior. When you look at this guy and you look at some of the stats, you know, he, he plays all over the field and, and he just makes plays. You know, he's out right now with the shoulder. He's missing the rest of the 2020 season due to that shoulder injury, and that may be why he'll ultimately have to come back to Waco. But through five games, 55 tackles, six and a half going for loss, three and a half sacks. Uh, as a sophomore in 2019, 112 tackles, nine uh, and a half for loss, four and a half sacks. A guy who absolutely can drop into coverage. Uh, he can rush the quarterback. He can play the run. 
very versatile linebacker, a three-down guy. Um, he's, a, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, if we then move to our, our cornerbacks, and when we look at this group, um, obviously Patrick Sertan's your number one guy. He's 6'2", 202, um, against Auburn. Um, show the ability to really be a press corner, get up in the face of, uh, of the receivers. Um, ultimately, uh, Seth Williams had a, a, a uh, inside release against him, ultimately got over the top of that route, forced an overthrow by the, by the, the quarterback, Bo Nix. Um, very comfortable in, in bail, uh, you know, bail coverage, as, uh, bail technique as well, keeping his eyes in the backfield on the quarterback. And really, Seth Williams wasn't much of a threat. Never really, you know, uh, gained ground on Patrick Sertan. And then when he, you know, ultimately snapped off that route, zero wasted movement there out of, out of Patrick Sertan. I mean, he's a legacy guy, a guy, you know, he's going to follow in his father's footsteps. But I think he's a guy who can end up being a top five pick when it's all said and done. Look, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina opted out for the remainder of the year. Uh, his family's been hit hard by COVID, uh, so he's opted out for the remainder of the year to, to, to stay safe and ultimately get ready for the draft. 6'1", 200 pounds. I've got him a little bit ahead of Caleb Farley. Farley has battled some injuries at times there for Virginia Tech, but there's no question. Look, he's 6'2", 207. He's big, he's physical, has tremendous hips, uh, able to stay with with receivers on the outside. And then I got Sean Wade. Look, 6'1", 194, out of Ohio State, junior. This is a guy who I think you know, is working to, to play on the outside. You know, he, he's someone who he, he struggles at, at times if, he, if you're going to ask him to be a press corner on the outside there. But if you allow him to, to play in off coverage, allow him to read the routes, watch them as they develop, to be able to, to drive on the football and make plays that way, I think Sean Wade is absolutely going to be a player. I think that's why he, he's been such a really good, uh, you know, before that he was, a, he was a safety, able to transition from corner to safety. And I think he can play a lot of positions. I think Sean Wade has an outside chance at the first round, as does Darion Kendrick out of Clemson. Look, six foot, 190 pounds. He's physical, another converted receiver, a guy who really understands the position. And then after that, you got to look at Elijah Bolden and, and Asante Samuel, uh, the two uh, nickels. They're, they're undersized. They're both 5'10", about 180 pounds, both juniors, with the ball skills for days. Um, in, in the, uh, if you look at uh, Elijah Bolden, eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and then that interception to really jumpstart things against Utah really got things going. They were down 21-7 to uh, after that pick. Uh, they got a field goal, put it to 21-10, but I think that really helped the momentum there in the second half for the Huskies. This is a dude, look, if zone coverage um, does a really good job coming down in a hurry, uh, diagnosis really quickly, um, and, and I think, you know, that intelligence, he, look, he's got a 3.56 GPA there um, for the dogs, uh, so he's a, he's a tremendous guy in the classroom as well. In the box, you know, making tackles for loss, breaks down, drops guys in the open field. Uh, there was a throw to uh, Devin Brumfield, the running back in the flat. Able to drop for just a three-yard game, one yard shy of the first down. Uh, you know, another guy uh, drove on a third and four play to Jordan, uh, Ty Jordan in the flat. Able to drop him shy of the first down as well. Uh, so Elijah Molden, that interception, what you saw there, uh, reading the quarterback, diagnosing the play, coming off of his man, ends up picking off the pass on a, on a crossing route. Uh, to me, Elijah Molden has a chance at the first round as well, as does Asante Samuel. And 
time with Asante Samuel. He's opted out for the remainder of the year, but I think there's there's enough tape this year for people to really watch. Another guy, his dad played in the league, um, and I think Asante Samuel you know, has that chance to be a, a late first rounder. Um, but you look at him, 29 pass breakups in his career, four interceptions, had a two interception game this year. A guy who just does a really good job in off coverage, reading the quarterback's eyes, driving on the football, making plays. I think, you know, you'll see him and uh, Elijah Molden really be compared um, during the pre-draft process. Uh, Rodarius Williams after that, look, six foot 190. He's Greedy Williams' brother. Just six receptions given up on the year. Uh, a guy, look, uh, inside leverage against uh, Marvin Mims, the fabulous freshman there for, for OU, and uh, gets his head around, able to elevate, knock the pass, pass away. In phase against TJ Basher against Texas Tech, up the sideline, forced the overthrow, kind of took away that inside, completely forced him into the sideline, really used that sideline to his advantage. I think Rodarius Williams, another guy that people aren't really talking about, but they should be. I think through the, the pre-draft process, people will really start looking at him a lot more. I thought Greg Newsom against Wisconsin, very physical at the catch point. 6'1", 190, only a junior, but uh, I thought you know, he's done a really good job staying in phase most of the year, being very physical, and he's gotten himself in trouble with some pass interference calls needs to watch his hands a little bit, but does a really good job forcing those those receivers into the sideline, really neutralizing their effectiveness. Um, two more guys to mention as, as potential uh, later round picks. Uh, how about Zach McPherson, 5'11", 195, uh, diving interception in the third quarter, came off of his man. Uh, Spencer Sanders rolling out late, throwing the football on a crossing route, made the read, diving interception. And they, they talked about on the broadcast, he had the four interceptions so far on the season, had a fumble return for a touchdown. When you think about it, of the eight turnovers created by Texas Tech, McPherson has been involved in six of them. Tremendous uh, playmaker. I think he'll end up being a day three guy. And then Kobe Bryant, spelled C-O-B-Y, but it is for uh, named after the basketball, the late great basketball player. 6'1", 198 against UCF. Showed the ability to really close in a hurry. I think that's one of the things that you definitely see with him driving on, on the receiver, driving on the routes, that even if the ball is thrown in front of him, he's a sure tackler and you know, doesn't create any yards after catch. I'm a big fan of Kobe Bryant. I think you know, he's a guy that can be a, uh, a physical press corner and a guy who doesn't create a, a ton of separation against. And, he, and he's got some length to him as well. So I think he'd be a nice day three pick for a team. And then looking at the safety position, obviously Trevor Merrick, um, the best corner, uh, I'm sorry, best safety hands down, best cover safety in uh, in college football, in my opinion. Uh, Devon Holland, the playmaker there for Oregon, he's opted out. Andre Sisco battling in that that injury out for the year, sustained that injury in, uh, in pregame uh, in one of the games, ran into one of his uh, his teammates. So that injury really going to question what happens with his draft stock there. Richard LeCount is the intelligent player there for Georgia. Reed Blankenship, the guy who plays well over the top, an unquestioned leader there for Middle Tennessee. Bubba Bolden there for Miami, a guy who flies around making a ton of plays. Very physical. I think you got Joshua Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie for Missouri. Uh, they're both about six foot, six one, about 200, 210 pounds. Both show that they're able to, to, to cover coverability, there's some fluidity in their hips, and both you know, physical, uh, powerful uh, hitters there on the back end of the defense. Uh, Richie Grant out of UCF, uh, he's six foot 194, um, and, and uh, 
in, in, in his last game. Uh, 16 tackles, one and a half going for loss. Uh, and that was in that loss against Cincinnati. Um, very physical, a guy that, uh, you know, coming across on a jet sweep, able to get downhill, drop the, the, the receiver for a loss of six. Um, undercut a route for near pick, um, but also runs into his linebacker um, on another play on a crossing route that ended up allowing the receiver to make a big gain. Um, you know, with Richie Grant, um, you know, there's a lot to like, but he makes a lot of mistakes as well. Uh, a guy who, you know, does a really good job playing downhill in the box, but I think he struggles at times uh, trying to do too much in coverage. And I think when you think of Richie Grant, you know, this is a guy who uh, one year, He's, he's a guy who uh, 108 tackles as a sophomore and, and six interceptions, and I think he's trying to get back to that. Um, kind of had a down year in 2019, 2020 through nine games, 72 tackles, uh, three interceptions, uh, five pass breakups on the year. This is a guy who I think, you know, I, I think he's just trying a little bit too hard, trying a little bit to, to do a little bit too much. Um, you want to see the cover skills a little bit more. I think he's kind of a, a free safety um, kind of wants to be more of that deep safety player. Um, so I think Richie Grant, somebody, uh, probably a day three guy at this point. You see a lot of the production, but you can't just rely on the on, uh, on the stat sheet when, when you're talking about him. And one other guy that I do want to mention, and I'm, I'm probably hear me flip through my notepad because I, I had all his, his notes ready to go, and then I lost it. So I'm trying to find it back, uh, get it back here. And, and that's um, kid out of out of pit. And that's DeMar Hamlin. And what I really like about number three there for, for pit, he's a free safety, six foot 196. Um, one of the things that you saw was uh, the, the coverability. And I think the cover skills there, you know, a lot of people want to talk about Paris Ford, but I'm a big DeMar Hamlin fan. I actually like him more than, than Paris Ford at this point. I think he's been more consistent. You know, quick throw to the outside against Amari Rodgers, gets downhill, wraps him up in the open field uh, for just a one-yard gain. Throw wide to Rodgers on another play, tried to get up the field, uh, wrapped up the receiver and threw him down. No yak, five-yard gain there. goal line started outside uh, outside the tight end and cuts inside plants and drives back inside uh, gets a hand in for a pass break up there as well uh, in the slot against will swinney on a slat and go opens up to the slant but still able to quickly turn get outside get up the field with the receiver even with the receiver in phase and able to knock the football free so when you look at that you see the hips you worry about safeties having stiffness in their hips not so much with DeMar Hamlin. He's the guy to me. I think people need to be talking about him. He may not be a day two guy, he'll probably, but I think he'll end up being no more than a fourth rounder and a guy who I think can end up, you know, I think he has starter potential uh, because of those cover skills there at the free safety position. So those are the guys that I was really keeping track of, um, you know, not only in my top 10, but guys that, that are just outside the top 10 at this point through weeks 12 and 13. Hopefully that's caught you up to where we're at now. We're talking about week 14. Hard to believe we're already here into December, but we're here. And uh, you know, COVID obviously has been making an impact on the season. Uh, you know, we've got uh, you know Vandy in Georgia, Northwestern Minnesota, uh, Maryland and Michigan. 
as part of, of six games that have been either postponed or canceled. On Sunday, December 6th, due to some of the COVID issues, uh, Western Kentucky is taking on Charlotte, and then Washington State traveling out to, to L.A. Uh, to take on the number 20th ranked uh, USC Trojans. USC finally able to get clearance. They were having some issues there, especially on the offensive line, um, but uh, they, they now have clearance to play. Um, you'll have to keep an eye on the Trojans, see how effective they'll be since they were kind of on lockdown there due to the, the COVID outbreak. Um, so those are the games that have been impacted in one way or another by COVID-19. Ohio State is going to get to play against Michigan State on Saturday. Number four ranked Buckeyes traveling to East Lansing. And I think you know, you're know you going to see the, the Justin Fields show. I, I think you're going to see them really uh, step up and play well. Um, Michigan State, you know, they beat Iowa. I'm sorry, Indiana. Gave Indiana their first loss. And uh, so I think if you underestimate Michigan State, especially in Spartan Stadium, uh, bad things can happen. But uh, I just think they'll be outmatched against Ohio State. Um, you know, you've got Oklahoma State traveling to TCU. Uh, look, you know, even without uh, Chuba Hubbard and LD Brown and Tevin Jenkins, that offensive line still ended up you know, blocking pretty well against Texas Tech. Gave Desmond Jackson over 200 yards. You know, Gary Patterson led defense. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see what happens again, especially in Amon G. Carter Stadium. Um, you got, uh, let's see, as we stroll through some of the additional games, um, those are the early games that I know I'm going to be interested in. Notre Dame taking on Syracuse. Just another another way to, to watch Ian Book, Kyron Williams, Liam Eichenberg blocking up front, and then defensively, JOK and uh, Deje leading that defense. Um, West Virginia at Iowa State, number ninth ranked uh, Cyclones taking on the Mountaineers. That'll be an interesting game to watch. I think Neil Brown's team uh, upset-minded. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting game to, to keep an eye out for. Um, Wisconsin at home against Indiana in Camp Randall Stadium. You know, number 12 ranked Hoosiers taking on the 16th ranked Badgers. That's going to be interesting. You know, Michael Penix Jr. has the knee injury. He's out. Um, so I think that's really going to hurt things for Indiana. You're really going to have to rely on uh, Stevie Smith running the football, and hopefully you can get Tri Freifogel up there on the outside, get him going against Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, look, they don't have the explosive running back. Uh, a lot of their receivers, when they lost to Nor uh, Northwestern 17-7, their receivers were, were getting hit either with, uh, you know, with injuries and such. Um, so Graham Birds needs to have a bounce-back game there against the Hoosiers. Hoosiers have a have a physical defense, so I think it's going to be a tough task there for Wisconsin, even without Michael Penix as the quarterback. Um, game to watch, game of the day, possibly there in the middle of the day there is going to be BYU against Coastal Carolina, 13th ranked uh, Cougars against uh, the Chanticleers, number 18th ranked. Uh, BYU traveling to Conway, South Carolina, Brooks Stadium. This is going to be the biggest game in Coastal Carolina history. BYU looking for that additional game. Talked about possibly playing uh, Washington. This ended up falling into their laps. Coastal Carolina's game against Liberty was canceled. BYU stepping in. Uh, that's going to be a game to watch for sure. Clemson taking on Virginia Tech. That's going to be an interesting game. Um, just from the standpoint of, you know, Virginia Tech kind of an up and down year. I want to see what Christian Derisaw can do on the outside, you know, especially against some of those talented youngsters there for Clemson. Uh, and then Trevor Lawrence and company 
taking on that Virginia Tech defense. Uh, I think Clemson comes out with an easy win, though, when it's all said and done. Number one ranked uh, Alabama taking on LSU. It's not like last year. I think Bama has an easy time with LSU. T.J. Finley, the, the freshman quarterback there for the Tigers. Um, let's see. Oklahoma taking on Baylor. Uh, 11th ranked uh, Sooners there at home in Norman. Um, I think Spencer Rattler and company, Ramondre Stevenson, um, you know, Dave Aranda will have Baylor turned around, but this is you know, a bit of a rebuilding year for them. So I think that's one of the things that you're going to definitely see. If you haven't gotten to see Carson Strong play yet, uh, tune in. Uh, late game, Nevada taking on Fresno State there in Reno. Uh, Carson Strong, only a sophomore for the, the Wolfpack. Definitely a guy to watch out for. Um, and then if you want to watch Pac-12 after dark, you got Oregon State traveling to Utah. Jermar Jefferson taking on a Utah team that's going to be uh, upset-minded, if you will. Um, I think Utah is really stinging after that 24-21 uh, loss where Washington came back to win in the final seconds. Um, so I think that'll be an exciting game there to close out uh, Saturday play uh, for Week 14. So I think we're going to go ahead and call it a podcast. I think we've we've covered quite a bit the last couple of weeks of the season, making up for the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, so I hope everyone enjoys their week. Enjoy the week of college football. You've got college football not only on Saturday, but on Sunday as well. Uh, so make sure you tune in. Watch plenty of games, and we'll come back here and we'll talk about football all over again. We'll see exactly what it was that I got to watch. I've got nine or ten games that I definitely want to watch when it's all said and done. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, I am out of here. Take care.